You're listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership and peak performance through interviews with some of the greatest team captains and thought leaders in the sports world. Now, here is your host, performance coach, speaker, and author, Ben Smith. Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Smith, and I'm really excited to be doing our first interview today with my good friend, Luke Poulos, who we are going to have be the new co-host for the podcast. Luke has been a graduate of West Point, played Division I lacrosse there, has been in sports all of his life, played multiple sports, and has been active duty the last couple years, and I've had the opportunity to be working with him. He's been an executive officer and a platoon leader. And we're excited to go in-depth with some really good topics on leadership in sports and what coaches can do to really systematically develop leaders within their organization. So, Luke, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Ben. I'm excited to be here. I've been uh, working on this for the last uh, week or two, so I'm excited <laughs> to, to finally get this underway. Yeah, good. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and fill in some of those gaps so everyone can kind of get a better idea of what your background is and why you are somebody who's being brought on to be the co-host for this podcast and what uh, what good insights you have for them in terms of leadership and sports. Yeah, so like you said, uh, I grew up playing sports all my life, uh, primarily lacrosse, uh, come from a sports family. Um, my dad growing up was uh, all of me and my brothers. I'm, I'm one of six boys. Uh, five of us played uh, either Division two or Division one sports. Um was a team captain in high school for two years as a junior and senior on the lacrosse team. Um, like you said, went to West Point. Uh, I was a four-year member of the lacrosse team there. Uh, upon graduation, I had the opportunity to be a graduate assistant for the fall of 2016. Um, I was able to act as an athletic intern for the varsity lacrosse team, uh, cutting film, uh, assisting with youth camps, and recruiting, um, and then primarily as the assistant coach and strength and conditioning coach for the prep school team, which is also located uh, up at West Point as well. I was also um, an assistant operations officer and a, and a PE right. teacher for the prep school as well. Nice. Um, so we're going to go right into it. I'd love to hear some of your personal experiences that you had at West Point, who's known for their, uh, their leadership development of the individuals that go there uh, and graduate from there. So what can you tell us about some of the things that the Army lacrosse team did specifically to systemically build leaders on their team? Yeah, so like you said, um, from day one at West Point, you hear and see the word leadership probably about 100 times a day. Uh, that, that first summer during basic training, uh, you might actually learn more about what kind of leader you don't want to be uh, just because of uh, the stress and kind of the uh, the punishment your your cadre are trying to put you through, but the lacrosse team is no different. Um, from day one, Coach Abarisi, who's who's been the lacrosse coach at West Point for for the past decade or so, he preaches leadership and stresses that everyone on his team is a leader um, in some way or another, whether that be a specific appointed role such as a captain or simply through their own example with work ethic. Um, on and off the field, in the classroom, uh, 
Um, specifically, though, I, I would like to point out one example of just how, how Coach A and the team gives freshmen on the team a lot of responsibility. And I think that transfers and adds up over their four years. So just, just one specific example is every year uh, there's one freshman who is chosen to be the lunchbox. And the lunchbox is a, is a big symbol for the Army lacrosse team. Uh, Coach A and kind of our playing style, um, just by watching us, you can tell we're, we're a blue-collar team, hard-nosed, um, not the most talented team in the country, um, but we're able to compete um, at that high of a skill level because of our blue-collarness and, and our hard work. So that freshman who gets appointed, he, he's been identified as the hardest-working freshman um, and he has the responsibility to bring a, a physical tin lunchbox um, as if huh. you were a construction worker everywhere the team goes, whether that be practice, uh, in the weight room, during conditioning sessions, uh, away trips, and on the sidelines at games. Um, and that guy serves as an example for, for not only the freshman in his class, but also over the next four years um, for everybody on the team and kind of is the, the, uh, the status quo or, or the the baseline of what you should be striving for in terms of hard work and not so really quickly if I'm sorry to interrupt you but what from the time that you all get there as freshmen uh, how long is it until they decide on who is the lunchbox as a so, freshman so that freshman um, if my memory serves me correct it it is at the conclusion of the fall season so lacrosse is a spring sport um, in the fall we have uh, a lot of practice, a lot of buildup, a lot of weight sessions, um, and then the fall season gotcha. concludes with uh, an, an inter-squad scrimmage, and then one or two uh, scrimmages with other other schools, um, and then we usually have a closeout practice and a closeout meeting where that's one of the things coach does. Um, him and the previous him as, uh, along with the coaching staff and the previous lunch boxes, the the sophomores through the seniors. Uh, vote and agree upon who the freshman lunchbox for that year will be. And so it's the coach, it's the coaching staff, which how many coaches are there? Uh, four. Four, and then the previous three lunchbox holders. Correct. Is there any like fun, cool way that they present that to that freshman? Uh, so they, they, so they give kind of the background just as I did, and he really emphasizes again that, that blue-collar nature. Um, they might highlight, you know, a specific incident of – what this individual did throughout the fall, um, maybe something they did during a scrimmage or something that they do day in and day out to kind of highlight why this individual was selected. Um, and I would just, I would love to know the stats. I don't know it off the top of my head, um, but I know there is a direct correlation and a high, high percentage of the, the people selected as lunchboxes their freshman year and how many of those guys go on to be selected as team captains. Um, their senior, their senior year. Gotcha. Um, and you had mentioned one other thing when we were talking earlier about that you were actually named what was called the quote private for the team. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? <laughs> yeah. So that was a that was a pretty dark time uh, during my <laughs> career on the team as a freshman. Um, so a little a little backstory. So every Thursday at West Point is the only mandatory night of the week that we have uh, full student body mandatory dinner at one time um and they're called spirit dinners so freshmen historically have to provide some sort of entertainment for their for their table and the lacrosse team all sits together and there's a pretty good proportion of upperclassmen to freshmen at each table 
but the freshmen, their job is to present movie quotes to the table during dinner and the upperclassmen have to guess what movie those quotes are from. Um, to go along with that, I don't know when it started. I want to say back in 1998 was the first year that the lacrosse team instituted the quote private. And what it is is every day before practice, right after we finish our stretch and our warm-up, the entire team gets behind one of the goals um, and the freshman quote private has to present a movie quote or a speech quote from memory to the entire team. Um, it's a little bit of a theatrical performance, but the idea behind that is to get the entire team um, in a mindset and get them hyped for practice that day. So if it's a Monday, it's got to be coming on real strong. Um, if it's a Wednesday, you know, it might be a little more lighthearted as we kind of tone down the, uh, the practice tempo. So maybe something from, uh, you know, like the other guys or or wedding crashers or something like that and then the um those thursdays are the uh the big the big hitters that you bring out you know the miracle speeches uh <laughs> stuff like that to get the team really hyped so you, so you would do it monday through thursday i would do it monday through thursday it started um i was selected they start in the spring so the previous year's quote private does it all the way through the fall season and the previous three quote privates without the coach's input um they vote on who they think the next quote private should be. And you get an email when you come back from Christmas break, um, letting you know the horrible news. Um, <laughs> so is there any consequences if you were to mess up the quote in practice? Um, no. So usually the, uh, the, the go-to when you, when you forget a quote, which for the record, I, I think I was, I can count the, the number of times I messed up a quote on one hand. Uh, Jimbo D April might have something to say about that, <laughs> but, uh, the, the the go-to was to just go ahead and kick your helmet as uh, as far as you could uh, and just kind of conclude it with that <laughs> just so you have a little bit of you still got a little bit of energy to go off of uh before the start of practice gotcha well i love both of those ideas and really to hit this home the idea that a coach a really sounds like he starts this development at as soon as they come in the gate um when they come into the program so starting young as freshmen, so that's definitely something that you as coaches can take away is the fact that this it doesn't seem, as, especially in my experience personally, that you don't just develop a leader within a season. It's something that happens throughout years and years of not just education but experience, allowing them to go through and kind of experience that for themselves. So that's really cool that that sounds like that's obviously working. So. Very cool. How did he actually select his captains? Um, so he did not select captains. So the, at, at the end of every year, the team votes on captains. Um, so even the outgoing seniors. Um, so when I was a senior, I got to vote on who the captains in 2017 were going to be. So everyone gets uh, two votes, and then the top three vote getters um, are actually announced as the team captains at the end of the year banquet. Um, and that vote happens on our last official meeting as a team and then our last official kind of congregation as a team with parents um, involved. The three captains are announced. Gotcha. Okay. So they know they're going to be captains all the way through the summer um, and then Good all the point. way through the fall season. Interesting. Okay. Um, how about some of the things that were done behind the scenes uh, outside of the field that you felt like really promoted leadership development and team cohesion? Uh, 
in terms of team cohesion, uh, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that that make Army, in my opinion, one of the closest, if not the closest knit teams in the country. Um, it's probably one of the only teams where you will see seniors and freshmen voluntarily hanging out together, going to get meals. Um, some of the things that promote this are are inherent to West Point. So, for example, the housing situation. Um, the way the school is broken down is kind of just like a, a military unit. So um, every every student is put into one company, and that company is made up of about 100 to 120 people um, across all classes. So you have freshmen, junior, freshmen, sophomore, junior, and seniors all in the same company, and they live, depending on what building you're in, either all on the same floor or um, one to three floors, um, which is really cool because in my experience, um, I never had, I was never in a company by myself with no other lacrosse players. All four years, I had at least one other lacrosse player in my company, and they weren't in my class. And actually, my sophomore, junior, and senior year, I had two to three other lacrosse players um, in my company. So that in and of itself kind of lends itself to more of a team cohesion. Um, and then also just for the team itself, there's a lot of uh, traditions on the team. Uh, there's little sections of the locker room um, that people belong to, like the Swamp, uh, Red Armies, all the goalies. Um, Hollywood, my freshman year, was all the pretty boys that, uh, that played attack. Um, and then on top of that, everyone had their, their role on the field and their own little team that they belonged to. So we had the starters. Um, traditionally wearing the, the black jerseys during practice, the scout team, uh, which Coach A emphasizes day in and day out how important they are to the team. They wear white jerseys. Um, guys who don't play as much during games on the sideline are, are world-renowned as the uh, the dog pound with their sideline celebrations. Uh, defensive middies are, are called the green line because we got the green light from anywhere on the field. Uh, kind of ironic joke <laughs> about how bad we are at offense. Um <laughs> In the weight room, uh, each rack always has at least one guy from each class, so it's not just all seniors lifting together and all freshmen lifting together. It's a, it's a mix of everybody. Um, and then one of the coolest things we have that I think that, that ties into the team cohesion is that before home games, the night before, the entire offense will eat together at a restaurant, and the entire defense will eat together at a separate restaurant. Um, so... The biggest takeaway, regardless of how much you play or what class you're in, this team from top to bottom is tied in. Um, some of my best friends are guys from classes two, three years ahead of me and two, three years below me. And I, I don't yeah. think um, you, you find that at very many places, if any other places in the country. Yeah. Um, I've heard about the sideline celebrations and uh, how did that come about? How did How were those created? Was that something that just want the team captain kind of start or just random individual stepped up and like put that together. Yeah. To be honest, I, I wish I knew the, the exact brainchild uh, that came up with that. I know the leader of it uh, that year, my junior year is actually when we got a lot of notice for it. I think we ended up on like bro Bible and uh, barstool sports for our, for the sideline antics. CJ LeConte, I will say stepped up as the ringleader that year. Um, and it started off small and just kind of continued to spiral as the year went on. So we had celebrations like uh, uh, a squat rack, uh, a, a bench te- a bench press test, a, a jousting tournament, um, <laughs> uh, a freeze frame, and even a DJ dropping the beat. 
Um, so it was pretty funny. If you if you uh, if you want to take a look at that, just go ahead and Google Army Lacrosse sideline yeah. celebrations. You'll I love see a couple it. stories about that. I love it. Yeah, a lot of times you can really tell how much buy-in a team has from the the way that they support their team from the sideline. And a lot of coaches and teams, not not as many as should, but a lot of them really understand that that can be a weapon that's used. And um, so it's really cool just to be able to uh, create this team camaraderie and. So excellent, excellent information. So I'm going to move now towards uh, the coach. So what did you love about Coach A? What is it about him that you most admired? Uh, there's a lot of things. Uh, I'll start by saying Coach Avarisi has got to be in the top five coaches in lacrosse right now. Uh, he gets maybe one, if he's lucky, two blue chip recruits um, every year. Um, but year after year, the team is in the top 20 and fighting for a spot in the NCAA tournament. Um, and there's a lot of things that contribute to that, uh, but some of the things I most appreciated from Coach A is, is how much he cares about his players. He knows every single guy on the team extremely well at an extremely detailed level. I mean, he talks to guys in the locker room before and after practice, not just about lacrosse, um, but also about school. Uh, he may know more about our grades than we would like him to, um, and especially family life. He knows all your siblings' names. He knows your parents' names. Um, he knows where you're from, what high school you went to, kind of the background of that area. Um, and that's, and that's one piece that I think plays into why the motivation and the buy-in on the team is so high. Um, and another piece that I, that I took for granted for the first couple of years, uh, were his pregame speeches. I have no doubt he has the best, uh, pregame speeches in the country, um, I've seen the inside the locker room specials for, for some other teams. Um, and Coach A makes them look like they're reading a bedtime story to, <laughs> to their team. Um, so I can, I can really, really appreciate the, the emotion and, and the level of detail that he takes in the care of his team and his players. I love it. So when, you know, what, what did he do well at building leaders? I, we kind of t- already talked about what, the, what he did at an organizational level. And do you have any more to add on you know, just specifically what he did to develop them outside of just systemically? Um, any thoughts? Yeah. So as I mentioned before, there's things like the lunchbox and, and the quote private and, and just the emphasis he puts on everyone's role, um, no matter how big or small. Um, and I'll go back to the buy-in and the team cohesion. I think when you have such high levels of both, it, it makes developing leaders that much easier because the more people you have that understand where the team needs to go and what actions need to be taken and they're motivated to look after the guys to the left and right of them, the less people you have to worry about leading and the more people you have that are leading. Um, one of the things I think he did really well to build leaders was he would sit down at the end of the fall season and at the end of the, the spring season and talk to every player individually one-on-one. Um, during that discussion, you go through the season, how it went, what went well, um, what you individually could have done better, um, any insight you have for him about what he and the coaching staff could have done better. Um, and then towards the end, he really starts to hone in and focus on where he sees you um, transitioning from the fall into the spring, turn our real season, or, or the following year where he wants to see you as a leader on and off the field. Um, spe- specific things to work on, not only just lacrosse skill or athletically, 
but also in the locker room. If he wants you to keep an eye on another guy on the team, someone in your class, um, if he if he thinks you're you're a guy who really connects well with the younger guys, um, he he might tell you, hey, I need you to you know put a little more emphasis here, a little bit more emphasis here with these guys. Um, he really has a way of projecting his leadership through his players. Um, I think a really big takeaway from that is leaders beget leaders and and concurrently leadership begets leadership. What was one of the things that you really learned from him? The one thing that you can that was actionable advice that you really feel like you learned directly from him and under his leadership? Uh, well one of the, one of my favorite quotes from from Coach A is uh, life is about the the people you meet and the books you read. So I'll always remember that and I'll always continue to to take that with me. Um, in terms of leadership um, and mentorship from Coach A, I really think um, not not something he, he told me directly, but again, I'll just go back to um, the intense buy-in and the intense attention to detail that he gave each and every one of his players from the time I was there. Um, that, that care as a leader, he really embodied... Um, servant leadership and he, everything he did you could tell was for the betterment of us as individuals and then with that the betterment of the team as a whole gotcha what we've done so far is kind of talked at a higher level at the organization what they've done to lead and kind of about your coach but how about for you specifically looking back uh, could you tell us some stories uh, tell us like your favorite story that you have that always kind of just catches your eye, something that you think about, uh, one of your favorite things that happened while you were on the West Point team? <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the rivalship with, uh, with the Navy uh, is, is few and far between compared to any other rival, rivalries in, in any sport. Um, with a lacrosse team, it, it, it's right up there with the football team's rivalry. Um, I uh, had the privilege... Uh, to beat Navy all four years I was there. Um, my last two years, we actually lost the Navy in the regular season. And then both of those years, we actually went and played them at the Naval Academy on their turf during the conference playoffs um, and beat them both times. So so I don't think anything will ever ever top that feeling in terms of sports. Um, just, just, a, just a great feeling to, to not only beat them, but to do it in the fashion that we did. Yeah. Um, it was pretty awesome and something I'll never forget. Yeah. How about for, uh, you know, as we always look back and regardless if you're a team captain or not, you always think about what you could have done to better lead your team. Is there anything, any thoughts you have that if you could go back, do you, can you think of anything you wish you could have done differently that you wish to communicate to some of the other captains that are listening on uh, young athletes? Yeah, I, uh, one thing I will say is I wish as a as a junior and senior um, that I had discussed more with the coaching staff and the other upperclassmen to kind of come up with where we thought we were falling short um, on and off the field um, and kind of developed a plan on how to combat that um, as the season went on. Um, in terms of uh, direct leadership one-on-one. Um, I think maybe I could have done a better job of helping guys out, um, 
during practice um, for a lot of the time there uh, during the season and during practice. Uh, I think I might have gotten caught up more so on trying to get myself playing time or or focusing on my own skills, whereas I, I could have taken the opportunity to help out some of the guys that were younger than me or a little bit below me on the depth chart and and help develop them and uh, get them on the field as well. One of the things you just talked about that was interesting, because I do believe that you know winning is a byproduct of the things that happen off the field. So you said that you wish that you had had some more um, communication and uh, not necessarily meetings, but more so communication about what you need to do to fix that. How, how many times throughout the season did that happen? Um, I don't know how many times that happened with the captains. Um, between the team and the captains, you know, there are multiple times. Just, just I can't think of anything off the top of my head specifically, um, but there might have been a couple issues or maybe after certain practices where we, where we knew we weren't performing um, at the level we should have been, um, you know, Coach A or the captains would say, like, hey, we need to have a closed-door meeting, like, shut the doors, and for the next, like, 15, 20 minutes, um, just the team um, was able to speak their mind and kind of get off their chest, like, what we thought was the, the cause or what else was going on and, and how we were going to move forward from from that day or that practice. So real or fast, that so game. the coaches were away they locked themselves in the door. It was the team captains and the team. Yes, correct. Okay. Um, but in terms of like sit-down meetings, like I said, I, I the, the captains I'm sure met with Coach A uh, quite often and the rest of the coaching staff. Um, but but the team, no one was really afraid to speak their mind. Um, so it was it was pretty open door in terms of if people had issues or the team was was going down the wrong path on any given day or after a game. Um, those things were definitely hashed out um, before the next go-around. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so why don't you tell me about who the best captain that you have seen firsthand and what it was about them that made them a great captain? So that is a, that is a tough question, being surrounded by so many great leaders. Right. Um, but I think I have two picks, um, the first being an on-the-field captain and leader, and the second being an off-the-field captain and leader. Um, I think it's important for teams to have both types of leaders, uh, whether that be one guy who fills both roles uh, or that be two separate people. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I kind of related to how the Spartans had two kings uh, at any given time, one for times of war and one for times of peace. Um, but to, to go ahead and answer the question, I would have to say the best on-the-field captain I had firsthand is, uh, is Brendan Buckley. Uh, he, was a, he was a captain my freshman year. Um, the guy was just a stud all around. 4.0 GPA, great athlete. He, he was a battalion commander in the Corps of Cadets. He won the low senior class award for all of college lacrosse, basically just you're the, the best human being in the sport. Um, he was an all-American defenseman just on and on the accolades you could go on for days um, but on the field he was a phenomenal leader he he knew not only his job to a T but he knew everyone on the field's job as well uh, I'll never forget my my freshman year week one of the spring season uh, I was on the scout team for for offense and I was playing as as Bucks matchup from UMass and the first time we lined up uh, before I caught the ball for for the first uh, for the first play he, he just looks at me and goes, hey, you're going to go right to left, 
get to six and six, which is a, a reference on the field, and then you're going to do uh, this specific dodge, and you're going to try to get a shot off. And I kind of looked at him, and I was like, is he kidding? And then I had to run that exact thing about 15 times over the next 10 minutes, um, and he proceeded to destroy destroy my, my arms and shoulders. But that's just the level. He analyzed film so much. He knew exactly what his opponent was going to do and when they would do it and how they would execute it. Um, so that was just one thing that I, I that he just exuded was just his attention to detail on the field, um, his matchup and his play. Um, and then also just an, an, another example is during games, after every goal that was scored against us, he would gather the defense up. I mean, pretty common. Most teams do it. Um, but instead of the, the common figuring out what happened and trying to figure out who is responsible, no matter what, he would always take responsibility for something that he did or didn't do that contributed to that goal. He never called someone out for, for a tactical mistake. And the exact opposite was true for big plays. Even if you got beat horribly by your guy and he had to make a great play to stop him or make a turnover he would still compliment you somehow. He would say, hey, way to, way to let him beat you top side or backside where I knew I could get to him. Um, and on top of that, he was always there to help out the younger guys if they needed it or asked. He was never, he was never too big um, to be outside of the team. He, he was truly a servant leader um, and took ownership and responsibility for his role, um, especially off on the field. Um, and then to answer the, the second part, uh, the best off-the-field captain uh, I had is is a is Nick is Nardi. He was a captain my sophomore year. Um, I actually got to live down the hall from him my my sophomore year when when he was a senior and we were in the same company. He just did such a good job of an of just enhancing everything the team did. Whether it was some of those team traditions we've talked about before, um, he's just an all around hilarious human being. Um, tells phenomenal stories, but but to go along with that, not to underplay it or anything, but he just increased the the buy-in that, that team cohesion. He he was a glue guy, as they as they say in sports. Um, he he enhanced the culture. Um, everything he did, his work ethic. Um, if people if people were doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing, he he would call them out for it and make sure it didn't happen uh, for their own good and the team's good. And and another another thing I'll never forget. He he was a guy that didn't play much his first three years. Um, he, he was a defensive midi and, uh, a face-off guy and face-off guys in lacrosse. Um, usually that's their only job. They're kind of like kickers. They're, they're highly, uh, specialized. They go in for a face-off. They're maybe on for 10, 15, 20 seconds and they get off the field. Um, and we had a, we had a stud in my class, Alex Daly, um, that pretty much played all four years nonstop. Um, but Nick's senior year, Alex got hurt. Um, and there was a stretch of games where, where Nick had to take the, the brunt of all the faceoffs, and without missing a beat, stepped up um, and had an outstanding stretch of games. Um, so I think, I think between those two guys, I, I, I have yet to experience um, two better captains that have, that have embodied those two pieces of, yeah. of team leadership. How about when was there a time that you had high level of conflict on the team? What did... Yeah, tell us about what what it was that happened and how was it dealt with, and if you can give any info on what the captains did to kind of solve that. So uh, there was never too much conflict inside the team while I was there, which was good, and again, just speaks to the, the cohesion and the tight-knit group we had. Um, but there was one incident 
um, or stretch of time my senior year during the spring season. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail about it, but um, a little more than half of the team was involved by the invest by involved in investigation uh, by the school administration. Uh, the claim was that individuals from our team were abusing the pass system for our advantage, that they were somehow taking more passes than they were allowed. Um, at the end of the day, it, it was a pretty standard, normal practice that students did. It wasn't against the rules, um, and the team was, was, to put it nicely, was very clearly targeted during this investigation. Um, in the end, most guys received some minor punishments, but nothing too substantial. However, it... it it all happened during the middle of the season. Um, almost everybody on the team was was interviewed by the investigative panel um, and had to make statements on the situation. Um, and it, it really was a it, it could have turned into a bitter bigger distraction than it, than it was. Um, it also could have been a really easy time uh, to make excuses um, and start conflicting inside the team and start placing blame on what so and so did and what so and so didn't do. Um, but between Coach A letting us know we had the full support of the coaching staff, um, and then specifically the, the captains and the upperclassmen, uh, we had multiple discussions about it when it all kind of first started, about how we weren't going to let this be a distraction. Um, so when guys got up to the locker room, that was usually the, the second time of the day after lunch that everyone kind of was together. Um, and the upperclassmen did a good job of, of uh, kind of cleaning up the conversation inside the locker room before practice. So we made sure that guys weren't discussing this, this investigation or the incident and being a distraction, um, that, that the locker room talk was either something really light about something that happened in school that day or personal stuff, or, um, more importantly, it was, it was getting ready for practice that day and our matchup that week. Um, so I think the captains and the upperclassmen specifically did a really good job of separating an off the field issue from what we needed to accomplish on the field. Gotcha. How about some words of wisdom that you would give captains today that are in the middle and midst of their seasons and trying to figure out what it is that they are doing leading their teams? Don't take it for granted. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity. I had the opportunity uh, to be a two-year captain in high school. Uh, it's, it's a tremendous service that you have for your team. Um, I would say talk to your coach, talk to your coach as much as you can. Uh, make sure you too and you and the coaching staff are on the same page um, in terms of where you see the team and goals and weaknesses. Um, you have to understand that that you are the spokesperson for your teammates. So when you say something, it resonates even more with your teammates uh, than it does when it comes from from the coach. Um, and just one little one little thing that I would say. Um, that that'll have great impact is if you are able to identify your team's top two weaknesses, um, again, whether they be on the field or off the field, and you are able to take actionable steps towards improving those, you'll make not only an improvement in those two, but you will see an exponential improvement um, with your team as a whole. Um, kind of the, the compound effect of if you make these small improvements on your lowest things, mm -hmm. um, it'll just transfer over to all aspects of your team in general. Yeah, excellent. And most of the time, young captains, especially in the high school, um, 
age group, they don't even have the foresight and strategical mind yet to even think about something like that. So most of the times they are just, uh, you know, coaches, all they do is send them out to half court or half you know, midfield and have them toss the coin up. And But if team captains, again, like we've talked about, if they can really um, try to take actionable steps, have some foresight into problems, issues, current weaknesses, and really try to take actual steps to improve that. That is such leaps that's leaps and bounds above where other team captains, especially at the high school level, uh, are doing. And so thus be would be a very high competitive advantage for their team. So I definitely agree. Those are great points on what captains can do to kind of um, to just simple steps they can do to get better. How about time that you felt vulnerable because vulnerability is a time is something that i feel like is is a huge measuring tool or a metric that you can see that really correlates to buy-in so what was a time that you felt really vulnerable and how how did that experience end up being uh yeah i'd have to say uh just about every single day of my my freshman year spring, uh, being the co-private as we uh, early discussed. I mean, having to memorize um, basically an, an entire quote um, front, at yeah. least the front of a note card worth a, of a quote, um, and having to get up in front of the entire team. Yeah, as a freshman. Uh, as a freshman, and it's your your job uh, to hype the team up for the day. It can be a little daunting. Yeah, I love uh, that. on a team full of alpha males. But uh, before, like I said, any time I screwed up a quote, um, I couldn't, or I could tell that it, it wasn't the best choice of quote for that day. It wasn't the end of the world. Um, you know, at least one or two guys on one of those days, if not everybody, would still, you know, give a big uh, emotional outburst. Um, they'd still get really excited. <laughs> Someone would come up and be like, hey, I know you messed that up, but no biggie, man. Like everyone has one of those days. Um, and so that so that was pretty reassuring after yeah. after times like that right. um and then again i would say uh another time of feeling vulnerable um and not just for me i know it goes for everybody on the team that goes through this so every year as seniors or every season the way coach a does it i i said earlier that the quote private has a quote before practice monday through thursday on fridays the quote private doesn't have a quote but at the end of practice a different senior each week has to give a pregame speech the day before the game. Um, so I had the very first week, the very first game's pregame speech on Friday, um, my senior year. And you're not expecting it. You know you're going to get it at some point during the season, but you know no one expects to be the first one. Um, and you're notified uh, about anywhere between two to five minutes, depending on how long stretching takes, uh, that you have you have the speech for that day. So. I had a little bit to prepare, but just like anything, once you start going, you kind of just run with it. Um, and again, just like being the quote private, that definitely gave me uh, a yeah. little bit more confidence. That was my thought. Um, so at the end, so at the end of the end of it all, you feel like being the quote private made you better. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I mean, obviously, uh, public speaking and uh, rote memorization definitely were were improved. <laughs> you have no problem with it now. Yeah, huh? none none whatsoever. But also yeah. just. Uh, being comfortable being vulnerable um, was definitely something, especially when you're part of an organization that has such buy-in. Like you were saying, that level of vulnerability kind of reflects that. Um, and you can see the, every senior speech, I wish there were recordings of some. Obviously, some definitely uh, couldn't 
could never be recorded or released to the public, but uh, <laughs> uh, you, you would really be able to see the confidence and the the just going all out in their senior pregame speeches. Uh, there was no worry. There was there was no worry of any kind of backlash or or booing or someone not liking it. No matter yeah. what, even ones that I thought were bad. Like at the end of the day, yeah. it's still someone out there projecting what they feel and their emotions and and their dedication and their right their their buy in and commitment to the team. Yeah, I I I have a a theory on pregame speeches and the importance that they play and the underutilization that coaches and team captains give to them. But I was I, when I was doing some research on this and watching on YouTube, um, you know, there were so many players. Even if it was a bad speech, other players laughing and doing that, and it's tough when that happens. But the idea that you know, as a teammate, your goal is to serve your other teammate, and when you're when you have a team captain or regardless of whoever it is, they come up and they're in a vulnerable position like that. How important it is for you as a teammate to just support them and to just give some verbal feedback and say yeah go keep going or anything like that how powerful that is and encouraging that is and what that can turn into and so a lot of times i I said say all that to just say it's just important to as teammates they're part of that pregame speech too and so it's just it's a it's a really cool and interesting uh concept with pregame speeches so i like all that you said there now going back to high school what was your captaincy like? I know you were team captain for two years at your high school, for your high school lacrosse team. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so like you, you mentioned before, as a, as a high school captain, you really don't know what you're supposed to be doing. Um, it's kind of just uh, you lead stretches before and after practice. Um, you're, you're seen somewhat, I guess, of as a leadership figure, and you go out for the, the, toy costs, the, the coin toss at the beginning of the games. But... Other than that, unless you really have a coach that that understands the the ability or or the opportunity that captains play or the role that they play, uh, you're kind of on your own in terms of figuring it out. Um, I know junior junior year being a junior captain with uh, three other senior captains, um, I didn't have as big of a role as a captain and as little a role as there was, um, but I. But I know we had to make a pretty tough decision as captains to um, let go one of the seniors on the team. He wasn't a captain, but we had to let go one of the seniors on the team. Um, and and we were all friends with him, um, but it was just one of those things. He wasn't committed to the team. He was showing up late to practice. So that was kind of the first taste of um, actual leadership, and our coach actually let us make that decision on our own. Um, senior year, though, um, I was lucky enough, my freshman through junior year, to have a head coach and then a really, really, really strong assistant coach. That was kind of our strategy X's and O's kind of guy. Um, those years, my senior year, we didn't have that. So it was really just the head coach and then somewhat of a volunteer assistant coach. Um, so little did I know at the time, but looking back, I, I really had to step up in more of a coaching role um, and have to play more of a X's and O's strategy type role as a player um and again i kind of took it for granted i guess uh i i probably didn't take as much advantage of the situation as as i should have uh being able to influence uh team strategy and tactics uh the way i could have so if that's so if you could go back is that something that you feel like you would um 
kind of try to change if you go back and talk to your 16 17 year old self that's something yeah yeah definitely um i would i would go back and kind of explain to my younger self like hey this is the situation you're in i get it it's a it's a tough hand to be dealt um being down one coach in the last three years but hey you're in this position and you got to step up and kind of fill that role even more than you're doing like yeah you're doing it um between you and your coach but you have to project that to your teammates uh to, to your to your friends basically um, and kind of separate yourself from them um, as a leader um, and I definitely probably would have had more conversations with my coach especially since he was a teacher at the school yeah. um, probably daily meetings as if I was as if I was a coach um, yeah. to try to influence the team in, in any way I could yeah absolutely I think that's a great point the fact that communication with the coach is something that definitely needs to happen and you know normally the 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 coach should be the one that initiates that, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. So if it's not, and you're a team captain that's in that role, just, you know, again, leadership is influence and you can't be passive, you know, regardless, everybody has a different, is in a different coaching situation. Sometimes we have good ones, sometimes we have bad ones, but you gotta be intentional about creating, um, creating communication between that and between the coach and the captain. So I think that's a really good point. Now, Moving forward, we're going to kind of start to finish this up here. I'd love to get your thoughts just in general about leadership and some other things. So how how do you define what leadership is? So my, my personal definition of leadership is the ability or practice of influencing others to consistently take actions and make changes to a culture or organization in order to accomplish the team or organization's goals or to attain success, however they define it. And that really, all that boils down to what what exactly? Uh, basically, it boils down to an individual's ability to influence others yeah. uh, to reach success. Gotcha. So definitely very similar to something like John Maxwell would state that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. This ability to both influence, inspire a group of people to get something done. So exactly, definitely on point with that. So, you know, here with the captain's coach, uh, we have the six tenets of leadership, which is a framework that we uh, utilize and teach and very, which we found to be very helpful for team captains. Out of those six, which one, uh, which two do you feel like are your favorite and why? Yeah, um, it, it's hard to pick two just because all, all six are very, very intertwined and kind of overlap with one another in different ways. Uh, but obviously, uh, with my my definition of leadership, and like you said, John Maxwell's um, leadership is influence. Uh, tenant number two, uh, obviously, um, that's literally the definition. It's it's how you impact individuals or groups of individuals and their actions. Um, and and the second part of that tenant, which I which I really like and kind of distinguish itself, is understanding the difference between influence and manipula- manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, influence being um, impacting individuals um, to make changes for the attainment of success for the greater good, not just yourself. Um, manipulation being um, deceptive um, and having ulterior motives and kind of just self um, and personal gain. Right. Um, influence is more transparent and it's for the greater good. Um, and that also kind of has an overlap. Or excuse me, um, the, the other tenant I like is the first one. Um, tenant tenant number one everything rises and falls with leadership Um, leadership is everything for an organization doesn't matter how talented 
or for the amount of resources that that a team might have. Um, there's a great quote that we have on the website: uh, "A team full of sheep led by a lion will always defeat a team full of lions led by a sheep." Um, I, I think that really says it says it right there, and I think it's true. I'm you, you can see it in pro sports at the college level. If you have a great team um, that lacks any kind of team leadership, you can see little things in their culture will begin to crack and conflict will will, will start to rise up or or even with coaches, coach teams with great talent and, and weaker coaches fall apart and never reach their full potential. Um, and it's why we have underdogs. It's 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 the the teams that on paper should not be there, um, but for one reason or another, they have extremely strong cultures and leaders that have impacted that culture um, that that let them operate on the same level as these other teams. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely am on board with all of that because that's one of the reasons they're number one and two right off the bat. So those are two of my favorite as well. I love the idea of ownership. You have to take ownership. The only other option if you don't is passivity, which gives you um, you know, a way out. We don't want ways out. So very good points there. How about last question before we go kind of into the final round is for coaches. What, what do you wish to communicate to coaches on how they can – systemically develop leaders in their organization um so just just from my own my own point of view and from my own experience um if i could i would just videotape everything um that coach a does as a coach and say hey here you go um but realistically i would say don't don't underestimate influencing team buy-in don't take for granted uh the opportunity that your captains has and and this goes out especially for those high school coaches that whether they don't understand the opportunity they have or they don't think their their players as high school students um, can fulfill those roles, sit down and talk to your captains. It, it's super important for for you and your captains to be on the same page as we as we've mentioned before. Um, your captains are spokespersons; they're your mouthpiece and they're spokesperson for their teammates. So, like I said before, those captains their words resonate tenfold to your team um, compared to as if they come from you. They're, they're, they're peers. Peer leadership is one of the hardest things in the world, but it's also the most effective form of leadership, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, final round here. What is your favorite yeah. book? All right, I got two choices here. They're, they're both recent reads for me. Uh, Meditations uh, by Marcus Aurelius, a uh, Roman emperor. Uh, recommend getting the George Hayes translation to cut out all of the uh, choppy, Greek translations. If, if you took out all the Greek names, you'd probably think it was written yesterday. Um, the second was a gift from one of our good friends, Jonathan Wolfgram. Um, it's called The Tao of Leadership. Uh, it's by Lao Tzu, or Lao Tzu. Um, it's it's an adaptation from the Tao Te Ching by John Hyder. Um, okay. Awesome. Both of those books, uh, they really go into how to be a leader and for yourself, your own actions that you can take to, to kind of enhance that. How about your favorite quote? Favorite quote of all time, Akuna Matata by Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> uh, not, not joking. Anybody who knows me well uh, knows I kind of live my life by that. But um, uh, on a serious note, um, not very original. Many people have heard it many times before. Um, if you listen to Tim Ferriss, you've heard it many times before. Um, but the quote is, you're the average of the five people yeah. you interact with the most by Jim Rohn. Love it. All right, we're going to go into the one-word responses here, just a couple. 
You ready? Let's do it. Captain. Brendan Buckley. Coach. Coach Alvarisi. Leadership. Influence. Influence. Leadership. Practice. Makes perfect. Conflict. Resolution. Failure. Opportunity. Passivity. Loss. Ownership. Essential. Service. Leadership. Excellent. All right. Well, Luke, we appreciate having you on here. Everybody out there is <laughs> blessed. Everybody out there, you're going to be hearing a lot more from Luke as he's going to start coming on and doing some more interviews. We'll do some together and quite a few he'll be doing on his own. So again, we're going to be happy to have him here. And again, thanks for coming, Luke. We appreciate it. Yeah. Glad to be here. Thanks for bringing me on board. Uh, excited to get this thing uh, full rolling here. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Ben Smith. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.